What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That is where you find all of our content, podcasts, articles, different news and notes. They all get shared out through there uh, on social media. That's EthosFantasyBB. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter, social media, then you guys can go to SportsEthos.com and get all of that same great work that we are putting out. Now, it's not just baseball. Of course, you guys are here for baseball, but we are well-known for our basketball content. We have a ton of new tools that we have debuted over the last week or so. In-season tools for your fantasy basketball leagues. We hope to have something similar on the baseball side, either this coming season or the next year, because these tools do take time to develop. But on the basketball side, we have a head-to-head tracker. You put in your roster and your opponent's roster, and it tells you where you're strong, where you're weak. There's a weekly breakdown. There are weekly projections, daily projections, a ton of new content that has come out. So make sure you guys are checking out sportsethos.com to find some really, really great new fun tools. But today we are going to be talking about shortstops again. We started yesterday. We went through 1 to 10 on the Yahoo Player Ranker. Nothing too fancy. I know a lot of you guys do play on Yahoo. There's just as many probably who play in other leagues, but I think Yahoo is a pretty good standard to look at here in terms of how they rank players a lot of people look at Razzball, a lot of people look at uh, auction calculators on different sites, but this is what we are doing here for this exercise. We're looking back, we're talking a little bit about 2023, talking sometimes about their price for 2024 and just kind of how I view them going forward. Now there is a little bit of overlap because there are players that have multiple positions and we're going to talk, you know, we usually just focus more in on one position for the player. I don't want to spend, you know, there's guys that have four positions of eligibility. I'm not going to repeat the same spiel four times for those guys. And the first guy on the list is somebody that we have already talked about because we got into him on our third base review, and that's Hassan Kim of the San Diego Padres. Now, if you do want to hear more about that, please do go listen to our third base show. But essentially, Kim is looking like he's going to be a pretty safe draft pick for a team that I just expect to bounce back. And we've talked about this from a, a number of perspectives, about Manny Machado, about Fernando Tatis Jr. yesterday. I would expect this team is not going to be as bad as they were this season. Uh, it's just not something that I would expect based on the talent they have on the team, the natural variance that you see year to year in Major League Baseball We've seen it in the playoffs, how random this sport can really be. I don't expect a team that's this good, though, to really struggle that much in back-to-back seasons. Kim should just be able to benefit from that in terms of his counting stats. Not that they're going to be crazy higher than what we saw this year, but 84 runs in 50, or excuse me, in 60 RBI. Both have a chance to be going uh, north, I think, headed next year. Probably looking closer to the 90-95 run range if this offense is able to figure it out a little bit more. In terms of the home runs, 17, I think, is probably where you're going to see him. Although there is a potential for him to hit more. We did see some big power seasons in Korea. I'd say probably 20 is about as much as you can hope for. The stolen bases, I I don't know if he'll hit 38, but I think he has a pretty safe profile across the board to just be a safe fantasy asset that does have multiple uh, multiple positional eligibility there. Second, third, and shortstop. He is going to carry all three of those positions into next year. So you have the versatility, you have the five-category production, because he's a 260 hitter, and in this day and age, that's honestly a positive at this point, especially considering everything else that Kim does. The volume is good. He played 152 games. He's a very good defender. So there's nothing I really don't like about Hashung Kim. The price is pretty reasonable. He's going as the 72nd pick overall, number 72. 
68 is the minimum pick. 79 is the maximum pick. Again, we're only talking five drafts, but I do like that early price on Hassan Kim. I think that it is pretty reasonable to get somebody in an elite lineup. And I know it doesn't it didn't seem elite this year, but Tati, Soto, Kim, Machado, like Bogarts, they, they are and they will be an elite lineup, I think, in 2024. And I think Kim should be a big part of that. So I have no reason to doubt him here, taking him somewhere in the 70s. The number 12 shortstop on the season was one of my favorite players in baseball this year from a fantasy point of view. He did not actually play at short even one time, but he did qualify there. So we'll take what he gave us, and that's Bryson Stott. Bryson Stott is going to just be second base eligible next year. Obviously, having Trey Turner in town, he's not going to be playing shortstop at all, probably ever. 149 appearances at second and one time as a DH this year. He gave you 15 homers, 31 steals, and a 280 batting average to go along with 78 runs and 62 RBI. It's surprising that he didn't rank higher in the overall grand scheme of things, 114th total. I would have thought that what he did would probably be higher than that, but that is where he's coming in. In that great lineup that Philadelphia has, there's no reason to think that the counting stats are going to change terribly. The steals, we may have seen like a peak steal season. I think we might have seen that from a lot of players. I think that there are going to be adjustments made either for Major League Baseball or from teams in general uh, that will curb stealing a little bit next year. I don't expect to see those guys who made those exponential jumps like Stott and even like Kim uh, continue to make those crazy jumps. Stott went from 12 steals to 31. You know, are people going to say, well, now he's probably going to go for 50? No, he's not. He's probably going to go for something in the same kind of range, if not even a little bit less. So I'd probably project him as of right now for about 15 to 17 homers and probably 25 steals. That batting average has always been pretty good throughout his time in the minor leagues. There's no reason to think he can't be like a 280 hitter. I think that we're looking at another really solid, safe profile here in Bryson Stott. I think he's very similar overall to what you're getting out of Kim. And you're getting him cheaper. You're getting him at pick 109. Now, that is partly, I think, because of the positional eligibility. Stott's just going to be second base next year. But that doesn't really matter to me. Like, I've talked about this with a couple different players now. Second base is a fairly weak position. Shortstop is the one that is pretty damn deep. We talked about it yesterday. There was nine top 100 players at shortstop, and all of them were top 70. So there are a lot of guys that are pretty chalky names. If you want to wait a little bit, and not just in terms of shortstops, but in terms of just that production that you are getting from Bryson Stott, you're getting really good homers, steals, and batting average after pick 100. Even at second base, I'll take that because the position is really not that deep. You know, there are some names. There's names at every position at the top that are good. But once you start to get past those top seven or ten names at second base, you don't have ton of great options. You really don't. Now, positional eligibility is going to be changing around quite a bit, and you know there's going to be some movements on the NFBC site. So what you're seeing might not be fact for a lot of players, but Bryson Stott is going off the board as the 10th second baseman right now. If you're getting him as the 10th second baseman, someone you kind of don't have to really reach for, you're getting him in round you know, 6, 7, 8, 9 kind of range. Because, again, these prices are still going to be firming up. I don't want to say exactly. Like, he's going at 109 right now. But that will be moving around probably over the course of the next couple of months. So I'm going to say round roughly like 7 to 9 is where you're probably looking at Bryson Stopp. Maybe he gets pushed up to round 6 in certain cases. But I can't see myself being out on him unless he really gets pushed up very high. And even if he does, he showed us this year that he can hang with the big boys. He's in an amazing lineup. 
He does a little bit of everything. So I, I do like Bryson Stott uh, where he's going. I think he's going to be a really solid play next year, even as just one position as opposed to dual position eligibility. Let's talk about number 13. And he's somebody who struggled a little bit, just mostly based on volume this year. If he had played the whole season, we're definitely talking about him as ranking higher than he did. He's somebody that was in contention for the batting title for a while. And that's Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette, on a per-game basis, was still excellent this season. The totals are not going to be as good, 116th overall, but he did miss a good chunk of time this year. He missed 27 games in 2023. So you're not going to get those same volume stats that you potentially would have, and you also missed out a little bit because the Blue Jays' offense was so anemic. So Bo Bichette, typically a guy that we've seen the last couple of years, I mean, 2021 was a really incredible season for a lot of Blue Jays. He had 121 runs and 102 ribbies. Last year, it was 91 and 93. And this year, we only got 69 and 73. But I think a lot of that, all of that pretty much comes down to the fact that he did not play a lot like he did the years prior. He still played 135 games for a lot of players. And it's still 600 plate appearances. But for Boba Shed standards, he's been more of a 700 plate appearance guy. So to judge him based on this year where he got hurt a couple times... I don't know that we can necessarily do that. Something we, we like we can judge certain aspects of his game. The steals are gone. The steals are, I don't think, coming back at this point. 25 steals in 2021, down to 13, and now down to five. I mean, if you even if you want to say over the course of the whole season, yeah, those 27 games, maybe he gets up to like seven. He's not stealing bases for you anymore, and that was a big part of Bobachet's breakout, was that he was looking like somebody who was going to be a 20-20 or a 30-30 guy perennially, and we have not seen that. So, Bobachet's price has gone down this year, just in terms of shortstops. And I know it's because shortstops are very deep, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but he is the 10th shortstop being drafted off the board. And yes, he is the 32nd pick right now overall. So, that just shows you how chalky shortstops are early on. Bobachet at ADP of 32 looks really good to me. He's somebody that has been a first round pick for the last couple of seasons, well, specifically in last year, uh, he was going in the first round. Really, the last couple of seasons, he's been somebody that was getting pushed up draft boards, and understandably so, because of the talent, because of the lineup context around him. Now we're at a point where you don't have to pay up for Bo Bichette, not as much anyway. You're getting him in the third round of a 15-teamer uh, based on ADP. Now, the minimum pick is 21. The maximum is 41. So if you're getting him anywhere in that range, really, I think you're okay. Even if you're taking him in the 20s, we know that Bo Bichette can easily produce a top 20 fantasy season, even without the steals. Even if you're just talking about 20-some-odd homers, 90 and 90 with about a 300 average, because Bo Bichette, through 528 career games, is a 299 hitter. You know, he is not a great on-base percentage guy. He doesn't walk a ton. But just in terms of batting average, which is what most of you have in your leagues, most people play standard 5x5, five five, or they play in, in a points league. But if you're playing category league, you're likely playing – with batting average, Bo Bichette has been a huge asset. The power you're getting from shortstop, really good as well. And so are the counting stats. The, the steals stink. It's not what we wanted to see as Blue Jay fan, as baseball fan, fantasy player. You don't want to see players stop stealing bases at age 25. Uh, it's kind of not something you really expect, especially after you pop off 25 steals as a 23-year-old before all the rule changes. It was a great, great base stealer, and now he's kind of stopped doing that. I don't think that's coming back. But even if you remove that from the equation and you're talking 25 homers, 90 runs, 90 RBI, and about a 300 average, or in the ballpark of 300, could be 290, could be 310, you're looking at somebody who is very, very comfortably a third-round pick there for me. And I'm taking him, you know, I've said this about a couple of players, I'm taking him every time in that spot. 
you know, you, I'm going to play in a ton of different leagues, so there will be a different player values depending on the league, depending on the you know the depth of the league and whatnot. But I'm going to have a lot of Obachet in round three. You're getting him discounted a couple rounds from last year just based on the fact that really he missed time because we we knew that he was already going to be not stealing as many bases. Probably he went from 25 to 13 and he was still a first rounder. The fact that he is not really stealing bases isn't terribly new. You know, we, we've known this for a couple of years now. So you want to take a two-round discount because somebody missed 25, 27 games with an injury? I'm taking it every single time. I think that that's really good value on a guy like Boba Shett who can easily return a first-round fantasy season. Let's talk about another member of the San Diego Padres here. We are talking about number 14 on the shortstop rankings. He actually had quietly... A good season. Maybe not what people were generally expecting, but it's hard to be disappointed with the actual stat line here. And that's Xander Bogarts we're talking about. He gave you 83 runs, 19 homers, 19 stolen bases, 58 RBI, which was probably the disappointing number there, and then a 285 batting average from Xander. I mean, it was not a bad season from him. He had a career high in stolen bases, got the homers back up a couple from the year prior. The runs were the same as the year prior. Like It was not really anything spectacular, and I think that's kind of maybe where the disappointment comes from. Boston had been disappointing the last couple of seasons with Bogarts. Specifically, his last year in 2022 was a disappointing year. I think we all kind of collectively thought Bogarts going to that lineup to hit around Machado, Soto, and Tatis and everybody else, we were thinking, oh my God, Like this is going to be a 100-100 season for Bogarts. He's a 300 type of hitter. He's going to hit 20 bombs. He's going to be a first rounder. I heard that sentiment a couple of different times. He's going to be a top 25 player. He's going to be a first rounder. He's going to be... Well, it wasn't that good. It still was pretty solid, though. 120th player overall for the season. He played 155 games. He's getting out there really, really regularly, and he's always kind of been a guy that you can rely on for volume. Not somebody who has a long injury history, which I know. I say this a lot. It doesn't really matter what you've done in the past in terms of injuries. It can pop up at any time, but it's definitely more promising to see somebody like Bogarts, who's pretty much every single year of his career played 140 games or more. So you know you can rely on that. You know you can rely on the batting average. The runs aren't going anywhere because we've seen that on good teams and bad teams. Bogarts is an 80 to 90 run guy and in good situations can probably touch 100. In terms of homers, it's not a lot of power, but decent power from the shortstop position here. You're talking in the 17 to 20 kind of range. And the stolen bases, hitting double digits for him is really big because he hadn't done that since 2017. He set a career high, like I said, in 19 with 19. Uh, but the totals these years prior had been 8, 5, 8, 4, 8. Like, they were not big numbers. So to get up to 19 with the rule changes is really good. Now, like everybody else, I'm not expecting another drastic increase. But to say somewhere in this same kind of range, it wouldn't shock me if Bogarts could go 20-20 and hit 300 with a team that I, like I've said ad nauseum at this point, that I expect to be a lot better in 2024. So Xander Bogarts becomes somebody that I think is kind of interesting. He will start to lose interest in the fantasy community because, well, He's kind of getting older. He's not the young new toy anymore. And there are just a lot of young, exciting shortstops coming up in the game. Ellie Dela Cruz, Royce Lewis, Gunnar Henderson, C.J. Abrams, Matt McClain. There are a lot of young shortstops that are being drafted ahead of him. He's the 17th shortstop off the board at pick 121. He's going in the range between 107 and 136. 
if you're waiting on shortstop, which, I mean, you can definitely do. While everybody's taking shortstops in the first couple rounds, you can zig while they zag and kind of wait a little bit and take one of the guys we've talked about here. You can take Kim in the 70s. You can take, I mean, Stott's losing the position, but you can take a guy like him at 110. You can take Bogarts at 121. There are value options, even though there are a lot of stud names as well. A guy like Bogarts, because of the fact that, well, people just kind of get bored over the years with players who don't really change their outlook too much. Like, he's generally doing the same things he's been doing for the last five years or so. People don't really take note at that point, and they don't see the value opportunity with these veterans. And that's usually, honestly, where you find the value in drafts. These older, kind of boring guys. Look at J.D. Martinez and the returns you got on J.D. Martinez this year, or Justin Turner. Like, those are the kind of guys, and it's a slightly different situation with Bogarts, but those are the kind of guys where you find the value, not necessarily the Royce Lewis is going in round two, or the you know the guys like that, of that nature where you try and aim for the upside of the young guy. The upside of the old guy can sometimes be a pretty big factor uh, when finding value in your drafts, and I think that Bogarts is one of those guys that will just be kind of pushed down because no one's that excited anymore, but he could still very easily pop off a top 50 or 60 fantasy season, and it wouldn't really surprise me at all. So, I like Xander Bogarts. I think where he's going is a really reasonable range if you are going to wait on shortstops next season. Now we have reached the point of elephant in the room, and I think you guys know potentially where I'm going with this. We are at the number 15 shortstop in terms of value on the season, and it's Wander Franco. Wander Franco is someone that is kind of tricky to evaluate right now. I don't know if he's ever going to play another major league baseball game again i we've talked about this when it first happened and then i haven't talked about it since because i don't want to be somebody who is just standing there stirring up controversy i want to talk sports and that's what we're doing but there does come an intersection where well we're talking about the shortstops from last year and wander franco is you know talent wise one of the best shortstops in baseball and if he does play then he is going to be one of the better shortstops, you'd have to imagine. He's only 22 years old. He's just going to keep getting better if he does play. But, again, elephant in the room here. I don't know that Wander Franco is ever going to play again, and that's something that I can't answer today. You guys can't answer today. None of us really know. So I think we kind of have to just skip him. I'm just going to take a look and see if people have been drafting him in these early, early leagues. So... He has been drafted in two of the first five drafts. He was taken at pick 738 and at pick 748. So he's gone in the last round as a round 50 pick twice. At that point, and I know I don't even want to go down this road, but it probably doesn't hurt to take him that late. We don't know what's going to play out with the legal process. I don't know if what he's been accused of he actually did or not we 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 do not know we we truly do not know at this point it's not looking good and i can't advocate drafting him in any kind of format really but if you're taking him in round 50 there's no way you can really get hurt there because round 50 picks generally i mean you're probably not slotting them on your team at all throughout the year maybe maybe one or two weeks where you have a guy who you draft in round 50 who does have a good streaming value for the week or whatever or does end up popping off. It does happen. I think something, you know, Gavin Williams was taken in round 50 a couple times last year, and, you know, that's value, obviously. Anybody who produces at all from that draft slot is giving you value. So there is an argument to be made that Franco should be taken late in drafts. But I'm not going to be the one taking him. 
I can't make that argument for myself. I also just don't really want to be cheering for Wander Franco. And, you know, and maybe he didn't do it, right? And I don't really want to, you know, litigate that thing because we don't know exactly. But it just kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth, the whole thing. And I don't really want to have to deal with the headaches of maybe he's back, maybe he's not spending all offseason kind of worried about it. Again, at the draft price, it can't really hurt you. But I also don't really want to to touch that one, really. It's kind of like 10-foot pole territory for me. So if you want to take a chance on him, you can absolutely take a chance on him. But I don't think that it makes a ton of sense unless it's really truly the last pick of your draft. Like if people are taking him, you know, come Yahoo season, come, uh, you know, ESPN season when they start opening up, let's say he's going in the 200s, 300s. Like there's no way I'm going anywhere near him in that kind of price range. This would have to be strictly a last-round pick. And even then, as I'm saying it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I think we're going to move on. Not somebody that I want to be drafted next year. And we'll just have to kind of leave it at that. But let's talk about number 16 on the list. And that's JP Crawford. I took JP Crawford on a second half uh, gladiator team. You guys have heard me talk about the gladiator format before where you draft your 23 players. You put your starting lineup, you know, together on draft day and then that's it. And then you don't have to make any moves. You do not add, you do not drop, you do not do anything. You don't set lineups. It's just the players that you draft. And I got, Pretty fortunate taking J.P. Crawford, considering how he looked in the second half. I mean, he batted 282. He had 11 of his 19 homers. He looked really good. For the season as a whole, you're looking at, like I said, 19 homers. Only two stolen bases, which you don't love to see uh, from your shortstop. But you'll take it. 19 homers. 94 runs was huge. 65 ribbies in a 266 batting average. I think he's solid, J.P. Crawford. I don't think he's somebody that I would want to really be pushing up a ton in my drafts. You know, I don't think he's somebody where you're thinking, oh, he's going to be a sleeper. He's going to, you know, he's going to really outperform what he did last year. I don't think so. I think he's more of a late kind of stabilizer in your drafts if you're talking a middle infield slot or even if you want to wait on shortstop. He's going in the 270s of these most uh, of these early drafts. 277 is his ADP. 241 is the minimum pick, and 343 is the maximum. So there's still a bit of a range being figured out on Crawford. He'd never hit double-digit homers and then popped off 19. I don't know how sustainable that is. The ISO went way up. The slugging went way up this season. Again, I don't know if I would project 19 again, though. I think I'd probably be looking at some, maybe like a 12 to 15 kind of projection for him. Batting average for the career, he's a 252 hitter. He went for 266, so that's within a range of outcomes there for him. I think you're probably looking at like a 250 to 260 batting average. The runs are pretty good. I, I like the runs he's given you. I think he's just kind of not somebody that I want to be terribly invested in. I think he could be fine. You know, he's leading off for a solid enough offense. Not somebody I want to be pushing up, though. I just think the overall profile, I mean, it's very good in on-base percentage leagues. If you're straight-up batting average league, I, I just don't know that there's going to be that much there from a shortstop with questionable power, who doesn't steal, and who's got a batting average that is pretty you know, replaceable on the waiver wire. 252 for the career. It's fine, but it's not moving the needle, really. And if you're not stealing bases, if you're not really driving in runs, and if the power is questionable, I don't know how interested I really want to be uh, in J.P. Crawford. I think he's fine, but I'm not pushing him up terribly high on my draft boards. Let's talk Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson, we were kind of expecting that he was going to have a bit of a down year. Of course, leaving the Atlanta lineup, you're going to regress in terms of your counting stats, but it wasn't as bad as what we were probably thinking it was going to be coming into the season. It was generally kind of a disappointing year, but you know what he gave you was 22 homers, nine stolen bases, a 244 batting average with 81 runs and 80 RBI. 
to lose only 18 runs and 16 RPI is not that bad. Leaving that lineup, I mean, it's going to happen. Anybody who leaves Atlanta to go to a different team, they're not going to be able to produce the same amount. Specifically, the guy's leading off for Atlanta. I believe he was predominantly leading off or batting second last year. I think he was leading off most of the year. Uh, you're not going to leave that environment and replicate it anywhere else. It's just not going to happen. That team is ridiculous, historically good offensively. You're not going to see it replicated uh, pretty much ever. But he still was giving you like a good percentage of what you saw the year before. The batting average falling 33 points and the stolen bases falling by nine, not what you wanted to see, not what you would have expected. He's somebody that I thought could actually benefit from the stolen base rules a lot. He went from 18 to nine. I was thinking 18 to go to like 25. That's not what we were going to see out of him, though, unfortunately. I still think that there's value. I still think there's value in Dansby Swanson because, again, he's kind of boring, right? People do not want to draft boring players, but he's not being drafted terribly high. 143 is the ADP, going in a range of 122 to 174. You're getting a guy that I don't think the batting average is going to be a great asset, but it kind of does fluctuate. Like, he's a 253 career hitter, but we've seen him have a couple seasons in the 270s. In his rookie season, he was over 300. I know it wasn't the full season, but he has shown flashes of being able to have really good batting average. Not that I would expect it necessarily, but I think like 260 to 270 is something that you can maybe look for. He had ran a really low BABIP this year, tied for the lowest he's had since 2017. So I think even if you just give him a little bit of natural regression there and you give the BABIP like a 320 to 340 kind of range, which is where he has been. He's a for the career 311 BABIP after it's been kind of dragged down uh, this season, so you're probably looking at like 315 to 330 maybe for where he should be. At that point, you're looking at a 260 hitter. You're looking at those 20 home runs that have become commonplace, and the counting stats should be pretty stable. I don't think they're going to be amazing. You know, we've talked about Cody Bellinger likely leaving and probably zapping away a little bit from everybody there at the top, but I think that Dansby Swanson makes for another decent kind of value option at the position, not somebody you're really paying up for. He's like a round 10 kind of player and you're getting stability across your five categories. Less so in terms of batting average and steals, but still pretty solid stability. You're getting somebody that you're not worried about dropping. He's not somebody that you have to be like, after a couple of slow weeks, maybe, oh, I, you know, I got to cut loose. No, he's somebody that'll be on your roster the whole season and should be producing pretty well. So I like him where he's going in that 140 range. I think that he's somebody that can have a lot of value as a draft pick there. Let's talk number 18, and that's Andres Jimenez. It was a bad start to the season for him. I took him on a couple teams, and there was one team where I dropped him on. There was one team where I held on. It didn't really matter because he was kind of replacement level for a lot of the year. The thing that really did set him apart was the 30 stolen bases, and those didn't really mean as much this year. It was still a fine season for him, but it was definitely a step back. Batted 297 in 2022, and he batted only 251 this past year. He had two fewer homers. He had seven fewer ribbies. I mean... It was not a great season for Andres Jimenez. And, I mean, I, I can't say that I'm going to be that interested going forward either. Now, this not for this reason, but he is losing that shortstop eligibility. He's just going to be a second-base eligible guy, which, again, it's not a big deal, but I think the price hasn't really adjusted properly to what we saw from him. We're just looking, again, at these five drafts, and someone still took him inside the top 100. 91 is the minimum pick, 168 is the max, and the ADP is 135. So, that ADP is a little bit skewed because someone did take him pretty early on. He should be somebody who's going in the 150s or the 160 range. I think there's no reason to take him ahead of Dansby Swanson. Zero reason at all, but yet people will do it for whatever reason. I just don't think that Jimenez is going to be able to carry 
that value that we did see in 2022, which is the reason why he was drafted pretty high up this year. The team as a whole kind of took a step back. His power is, I think, kind of questionable. The speed is the only thing that is a true asset for him. Because I think that 397, or excuse me, the 297 batting average was a bit of an outlier. I would not expect to see that exact kind of number from him again. I think it's probably uh, asking a little bit too much to ever see him get the 300 again. You're probably looking at a 250 to 260 hitter with 15 or so homers, 25 or so stolen bases. And I think there is value in that, but not if people are going to start taking him in the top 100 picks. I think he's good, but he's not somebody that I'm going to be terribly interested in at all, to be honest with you. The next guy, though, number 19 on the list, is definitely somebody that I am going to be interested in, and that's Ezekiel Tovar. Ezekiel Tovar is somebody that I think is going to really break out next year. He was my That was my first prediction for the 2024 season, is that Ezekiel Tovar... Is going to properly break out. Playing in Colorado is kind of the first thing there. They generally know how to have players break out. And I know that sounds really stupid. I know it sounds really dumb just on the surface, but Colorado does a really good job of having a good hitting environment. <laughs> okay, that's nothing that they do. It's kind of a joke. But players in Colorado are going to get a boost over the average player. So right there, he gets a little bit of an advantage. This is Probably nothing, but Colorado's last two major shortstops that they have developed are Trevor Story and Troy Tulowitzki. So they have a thing with shortstops over the last 20 years or so of developing them and making them superstars. First full season for Tovar, 253 batting average, 15 homers, 11 stolen bases. I think we're going to see a step forward. Uh, you know, another year of development in that ballpark. We saw how good he was in the minor leagues, and I think that we can see Tovar go for 20 homers, close to 20 steals and bat somewhere in the 270, 280 range. That would be my guess. Now, is that a breakout breakout? Maybe not. Maybe I'm overstating my position a little bit, but I think based on where you're going to be getting him in drafts, I, you know, it's it's going to be a good investment one way or the other. 195 is the early ADP. That's really, really late for a guy, again, playing in cores, guy who has shown power speed potential at all levels. I think that we're pushing him down a little bit farther than he probably should. And again, it's five drafts, but he should be somebody, I think, going in the 160 or so range that you're getting closer to pick 200. You can get that batting average up a little bit, which is not going to be terribly hard to do in Colorado. Then there's going to be a lot of value in Tovar, and I think we're going to see a top 100 season from him next year for sure. That would be my, my first early prediction here is that he is going to produce a top 100 season. Let's talk about Christopher Morell. Now, we've already talked about him a little bit on the third base show. He is a Swiss Army knife in the field. He has a lot of positions of eligibility. The thing is, if you're playing on the NFBC, he's going to have none. So it really does depend on your format and the game's play threshold because he played 19 times at second, 12 times in center, 8 times in left, 8 times in right, 5 times at third, and twice at shortstop. On Yahoo, that's good enough for second, third, short, and outfield. But on the NFBC starting next year, Chris Morello is going to have zero positions. Now, again, we talked about him on the third base show, so I won't belabor it, but I think that there's a lot of problems with the profile. He's striking out way too much. He always has, and he's been a very boom or bust player these last two seasons. He has shown us that there can be fantasy juice from the power-speed combo. Like there is, and it's not a ton of speed, but 16-10 and 10 last year, 26-6 and 6 this year while missing time. The power especially is intriguing, but I think with the profile and the lack of eligibility, you, you have to put him in the utility slot, which for certain players I don't care about. If it's Otani or somebody, I don't, I don't care if they're utility only. But for a guy like Morel, who's not a world beater, eh, 
I don't really know that I can put him there the whole year and really be that confident in it. A guy with a 31% K rate and a 241 career average so far through 220 games. I don't know that I really want to be putting that much stock into Christopher Morrell. Now, the price is okay at 218. I think it's fine, but I also don't think there's a hell of a lot of upside in drafting him. I think maybe he has, you know, more of a power season if he plays the whole year. But that's going to come at the expense of your batting average, likely. The counting stats are probably going to be okay. But I don't think they're set in stone to be amazing in that lineup. I think they're just going to be kind of fine. He's just going to be somebody who's kind of okay. And you hope that he gains a position of eligibility if you're playing on the NFBC next year. So that you cannot have to worry about it. Now, if you're playing on Yahoo, you're getting second and you're getting outfield for sure. You may get third base because of those five appearances there. You're not going to have shortstop, though. So second and outfield still has value, and he's more valuable in a Yahoo format because of that. But overall, I just can't see myself being that interested in Morel just based on the overall profile. High strikeouts, low batting average. The speed is pretty good. The power is potentially really good. But I think that I'd have to be taking him a lot lower than where he's currently going to really be that interested. Will I take a share or two? Maybe. But he's not somebody that's going to be a target of mine uh, at all for next season. But that's going to do it for us for part two here. Tune in tomorrow. We will talk part three. We're going to talk about some guys who finished outside of the top 20 shortstops and just kind of evaluate where they are for next season. Now, we're not going to talk about all of them, just some interesting names. There are certain guys we're not going to talk about because we have already talked about them on the third base show. But tomorrow, we're going to talk about some of those interesting names. The Anthony Volpe's of the world. We're going to talk Matt McClain, Jeremy Pena, Carlos Correa, and a whole lot more. So make sure you guys are checking that one out. Joe Rico 99 over on Twitter, Ethos Fantasy BB as well. And of course, sportsethos.com is the website for you who do not use social media. I commend you. It is a toxic, terrible place. So if you can avoid it, then please go ahead and just check out sportsethos.com. But that'll do it, guys. Make sure you check out tomorrow. But until then, take care. Have a great night and cheers. <laughs>